0: All right, so if you were here last week, you know we talked about your mind and how we can be transformed by by changing our mind, by changing those thought patterns and renewing our mind. So um, today, I think I told you last week that I had just way too much stuff on the subject, so it may spill over into this week. So this week, we're going to be talking about kind of in that same line of things, um, same way of thinking and a couple of the same scriptures even. But today, I just wanted to talk to you for a few minutes about the difference in feeling tired and in feeling empty. Because I think a lot of times we just feel like we're tired, like oh I'm just wore out, oh I'm completely exhausted. But then we take a nap and we wake up and we're still tired. We're still exhausted, right? Like it it, it didn't fix the problem. Like I'm still completely wore out and. I think a lot of times we find ourselves empty. We got nothing in us. We got nothing left to give. And so taking a nap doesn't fix it. Right? Because the problem is not just that we were tired, it's that we need to be filled. We need to fill ourselves. The scripture tells us we're going to look at several different spots, but it's supposed to be a continual filling. It's not a one time we get filled up and then we're good to go for the rest of our lives. You don't charge the cell phone on your back. Uh uh-oh, you don't charge the battery on your cell phone one time and then just expect it to last. You charge it every day. Well, how often do I have to charge it? Depends on how much you use it. If you use it more, you need to charge it more. It makes sense, and we get it with things like that. It's pretty simple. But then we don't do it with ourselves spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. When we're pouring out and when we're spending so much if we don't refill then we're in line for a lot of stress and burnout and breakdown and mental problems and it can send us into depression or we can have problems with anxiety and all these different mental issues come from not having proper self care, not filling ourselves up, not working through the things that are that are bothering us so I want to just think about that for the first few minutes as we're starting about being full. I want you to think about yourself, not somebody else in the room or somebody you know that really needs to hear this message because they're a little cuckoo and we're talking about mental issues. I want you to think about yourself. Right? Do you fill yourself up spiritually and physically? And do you what do you need? Because we all need some different things. Right? And maybe something fills you up that doesn't really fill me up. What is it that you need? How do you fill yourself up? What is self-care to you? Do you ever feel like, oh, I have nothing left to give? might be talking to you if you've ever felt like that. If I'm empty, I can't get much done. I, 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 don't, I just can't. I don't have the strength or the energy if I'm completely empty. Just like my truck. You know what I found out? If I don't put gas in my truck, I can't get anywhere. And especially when that little hand gets all the way down to the E, if you don't put some gas in it, it doesn't matter if the motor's strong, it doesn't matter if you've got plans to go somewhere, do something, or if you've not paid the price or made the great sacrifice nowadays to put some gas in that thing, and it's a sacrifice, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to get very far. See, I can have plans and visions and dreams and stuff I want to go do, but if I haven't paid the price to fill the tank with fuel that I need, then I'm not going to get very far. You know, one time... uh, Y'all know I always park every Sunday. It's like a habit, a routine, I guess. I always park my truck right here, come here early in the morning and prepare the message and get ready and then meet with the worship team and do the thing. And I park my truck here. And so one time, it happens a pretty good bit. I left with Jessie and rode in her car after church that Sunday. And I forgot what we were doing, but we were busy and didn't end up coming back and getting my truck. And so I was just gonna come get my truck I guess Monday morning we were gonna come back and get it. Came back and the truck was gone. So I'm thinking somebody's messing with me. Someone somehow got my truck. No, it turned out my truck got stolen. From right here, parked right beside the church. Somebody came up here, stole my truck. Had my handgun in it, had all kind of stuff in there. Just start lit like there were some tools in there and everything the truck was just gone. But, so we called and reported it, and they did a police report, and we were looking around town and stuff. You know what? It wasn't very long. I don't remember. What was it? A couple days? Four days? I got a call in the middle of the night. Answer the phone. I'm asleep. Hello? I said, hey, uh, is this Dustin Rutherford? I said, yes, sir. He said, this is Harrelson County Police Department. Uh, we got your truck up here on the side of 78 if you want to come get it. And I was like, you serious? He said, yeah, um but you're going to need to bring a gas can because whoever it was that stole it ran out of gas up here on the side of the road and I guess they took off going to get gas so uh, we'll wait here with it until you get here so they stole my truck and took off in it and it didn't have too much gas in it (laughs) smart see that's my uh, security I don't keep too much gas in there so they can't get too far And apparently they didn't have the money or the brains to stop and put gas in it, so they only made it from here to 78 up there close to Blake House, and they ran out of gas. And I got my truck back. If you don't put gas in it, you're not going to go very far. The same is true for you. Think about this. If I'm running around on empty, just in my truck, we'll go with that example. If I'm running around on empty and have no gas, I know it's just, just about to run out of gas. And say, Jesse calls me and says, oh my gosh, I don't have long to talk, but we're having a major emergency. Over, like, I don't know, over here at work. Turns out Amber's been hiding an elephant in the basement. It's a baby elephant, but it might be part dragon because it's breathing smoke and the house is on fire. Like, this is an emergency, Okay. Something crazy happened. Can you go pick up Sky from school? And I say, I can't. I'm so sorry, but I just hadn't paid the price to put gas in my truck, so I'm not going to be able to help today. Although I'd love to. In fact, I'd love to get somebody else to pick up Sky, and I would like to come see Amber's elephant. That sounds incredible. Sorry for my weird mind. I just made that up. Amber doesn't really have an elephant, but I'm just trying to prove a point. Like, it sounds ridiculous when you're talking about that, and like, we all know if you don't have gas, you can't go anywhere. But how many of us walk around like spiritually with nothing in the tank? Nothing to give. I, I was in a worship service in Colorado two nights ago. not before last. And standing there on the side worshiping, and then... Bruce, Pastor Bruce, y'all, a lot of y'all know him, my pastor, looks at me during the service and said, Dusty, go to the back, pray for her, and then told me what to pray for this woman about. Well, imagine if I was standing there just spiritually empty and didn't have my tank full and had no idea what to say, like what, how to even pray in that moment. Would you think that would be good? Or for me to be standing there full and having prayed and worshipped and prepared my heart and be I think it's a whole lot easier to give when you're full you got something to actually pour out and give physically, mentally emotionally why doesn't God use me why doesn't God call me I want to help people Maybe you haven't made the decisions to be in a position to help somebody else. Maybe you haven't made the decisions to be full so that God can call you to do big things and go far because you don't have what you need to go far. How much fuel will I need? Depends on how far you want to go. The Bible said, Blessed is he who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, or what's right? My right relationship with God, who who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So, what are you filling yourself with? I don't want to end up stressed out, burned out, broken, overwhelmed, and I don't think you do either. So, I thought today that we we're going to talk about a guy in the Bible that I'm sure you've heard of because he's one of the most famous possibly the most famous prophet in the Old Testament, Elijah. And Elijah did all these miracles and he did all these awesome things. And we're going to look at a point in his life where he had a breakdown. He he had a mental breakdown. He had some major burnout. And And there's no question whether he was a prophet of God. He was called by God. God used him to do these incredible things. In fact, the whole chapter before where we're about to pick up reading, this whole chapter before is where there were 350 false prophets of Baal. And Elijah went up against all of them on his own. And he, they set out all these altars and they brought all these animals for sacrifices. And Elijah was like making fun of them. He was so bold. And he was saying, oh, okay, let's see who's God, who can call down fire from heaven and consume the sacrifices. Y'all go first and then I'll go. And so these 350 prophets were crying out to their gods and asking their gods to please show themselves. And he wasn't. And Elijah's was sitting over there going, oh, maybe, you're, maybe your God's in the bathroom. Oh, maybe your God can't come right now. Like, he's literally making fun of them. And then when it comes his chance, he says, all right, here, let me pray that my God would send fire and burn this sacrifice. And he says, no, wait a second. I'll tell you what. I'm going to sweeten the deal. How about y'all bring in some barrels of water and soak mine down? Yeah, just keep pouring water on it. And they poured water on it until it soaked it, and it filled up the trench all the way around it with water. It was just sitting in water. And then he prayed and God sent down fire and completely consumed the whole sacrifice, the altar, and it was so hot that it evaporated all the water up. That's a pretty powerful dude. There's no question whether he did that on his own or he was being, no, he was being used by God. He heard the voice of God and he called and God answered. And right after that, Right after that, there was the evil king Ahab was all mad because all of his prophets just got... They made him look bad, and then they killed them all. That's where we're going to pick up reading. King Ahab's wife was named Jezebel. And in 1 Kings 19, verse 2, Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow. About this time. One of whom? Her prophets that he had killed. And when he saw that, he arose. And he went for his life. Your translation might say he ran for his life. Elijah literally took off running. He got so scared. Now how's a man that's so bold... And so close to God that he just called down fire. And they killed 350 of the most powerful prophets of Baal at that time. He was that bold. And then one woman sends him a message that was threatening. And he got so scared, he took off running. As fast as he could. It's pretty crazy. From a threat... That was just the straw that broke the camel's back, right? That was just the one more thing. It was just one more. So, a lot of times when you have a mental breakdown or you completely explode or lose it or, or you just take off running from a situation you can't handle it anymore, it's it's usually not that just that one thing that happened. It was just, that was the last straw. That was the one more thing that you just couldn't take anymore. I can't take one more thing. Lord, I'm so stressed out. I can't take it. If, if one more thing gets put on me, I'm going to lose it. I, I, it. It's that one last thing. It wasn't that the threat was that, that scary that she said, you killed my prophets, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. And he freaked out and took off. No, it was just one more thing. One more thing piled on. It was one more bit of stress that, and he was just carrying it. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. Oh, so now he's going to go alone. His servant was his closest relationship that went everywhere with him. He left his servant and he took off alone. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and he sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, Is it enough? Now, O Lord, take away my life. He said, God, just kill me. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I can't take one more thing. Now she's hunting me. God, just kill me. I want to die. Like he was in such a bad place mentally, he didn't even want to live anymore. He went and sat down under a tree and said, I'm done. I'm not even going to live life anymore. Life's not even worth living. I'm done. Just kill me, God. For I'm not better than my father's. I'm no better than anyone else. Starts comparing himself to his fathers from some translations say, then my ancestors are the ones before me. So he starts comparing himself. And I'm not, maybe I don't need to be doing this. Maybe I missed it and I'm not supposed to be a prophet because things aren't working out like I thought they would. All the people are turning their backs on you and the king ahab and queen jezebel they hate you and you obviously don't care because they're still in power and they're gonna kill me and so you know what this maybe this isn't what i'm supposed to be doing maybe i'm no better than anybody that went on before me maybe i'm not better than my mama or my daddy or my maybe i'm not even supposed to be doing this maybe this isn't for me he's in a pretty bad headspace And I'm in verse 5. And as he lay and slept. Oh, so he just went to sleep after that. Under a juniper tree. Behold, then an angel touched him. And said unto him. Wake up. Eat. Get up and eat. It just takes a touch. Verse 6 says, and he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on coals. It was like a cheese pizza on a, a cake break, baked on coals, and the curse of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and then he laid down and went back to sleep. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time. Oh, this sounds like me trying to wake up the Sky for school. Where is the sky? Uh, the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him again like hey said arise, get up and eat because the journey is too great for thee you need to fill up you need some fuel all right you, okay good you fell asleep but you need more than that you're kind of empty So, you're sleeping under this tree, but you're in a really bad place. So, I need you to just eat some food and drink some water. You need it. And he arose and did eat and drink. And he went in the strength of that meat for 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. So, I just want to say off of that you need rest. We all need rest. God set it up that way. One of God's big ten commandments for the children of Israel was that there would be a day of Sabbath that you would rest. That you would find some way, somehow to rest. And somehow nowadays we we wear busyness as like a badge of honor. How you doing busy? I'm so busy I can't even tie my shoe. Wow, me too, man. I just can't even catch my breath. I'm so busy. Well, that's cool, but if you want to look like God, you got to rest sometime. Otherwise, you're going to die a lot sooner than you had to. You'll end up stressed out, and you'll end up carrying too much, and you'll end up stretched too thin, and then you won't be as effective as you could be even though you're doing too much, I mean, you're doing, 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 but you become less and less and less effective. And so you're not getting as much done. God said, take a rest, and He even gave us an example. He created the world, and and then God even took a rest. Find a way to disconnect and refill. Or stop driving and fill up. So what do you need to do? I already asked you this question when we started. But what do you need to do to get you in a place that you can be filled? A place that you can recharge? Which is probably different for all of us. So I'm challenging you to find that. If you don't know, figure it out. Psychologists say that a lot of times people that need to... Uh, to recharge, to disconnect so that they can refill and recharge. Um, They say that a lot of times it's the opposite of whatever it is you're doing all day. So like if you've got a job all day that you're working with your mind mentally or you're sitting at a computer or you're doing things using your mind but you're not really active or doing anything, then they say that most of the time, usually those people, they need to do something active or physical to disconnect and to recharge. And that may look like working out or a yoga class or it may look like horseback riding or skiing or working in a garden, but it's something that will help you disconnect. Now, then they say, on the other hand, if you're somebody that's, you know, doing manual labor all day, right, then you're not going to want to come home. You're probably not going to disconnect if you come home after doing manual labor all day on a construction site and pump a few weights that's going to be hard for that to charge you. It's going to just take more out of you. All right, if, you're a, if you're a mom that's chasing around a bunch of kids all day and cleaning the house and stuff then maybe you need like some adult conversation and some time away for. but what is it that would help you disconnect from what all you craziness you got going on and refill? recharge there's something that will help you fill yourself back up and then you will be more effective when you go back to what it is that you were doing or whatever it is that has you so empty where you were giving or or pouring out so figure out what it is we all need to figure out what it is so i wrote down three things that he did. We won't read the rest of the the story, um, but he went on to the mountain of God after he filled himself and he ate and drank the food. He went on to the Mount of Horeb. I read that part, but that's the mountain of God. And he went into a cave, and it's another famous story where God comes to him. And, and God speaks to him and, he, and there was an earthquake and it says, but God wasn't in the earthquake and there was a huge fire and God wasn't in the fire and then there was a tornado and it said that God wasn't in the wind. And then God speaks to him in a still small voice or a whisper and because God's always close. And it's not this big, crazy, magnificent thing out here. It was a whisper, it was something ordinary. And so I promise you, if you'll, you'll get full And you'll listen for his voice and you'll find a way to recharge and refill. Then you'll start to hear his voice even in the ordinary things. Even in the small things. Even in in the whisper. you, You hear God again. He started hearing God again. And I wrote down some mistakes that he made to find himself in this place. That we see in this story. The first one. Because I think we all make the same mistake. And these are reasons we all find ourselves empty. The first thing he did, run ourselves into the ground. Remember the start when I told you that he took off running? He got scared. First of all, he let fear motivate him. Instead of listening to God, Instead of praying about it, instead of even logically taking a step out of the situation and thinking about it, he just got scared because what he heard from Jezebel, he was overwhelmed, he was stressed out, and he just took off running. Now, the funny thing about that is, when I say he ran himself into the ground, and we go and we go and we go. If you look at a map... Like a map of Israel. No, it tells us where he took off running from when he heard the news, and it tells us where he ran to. And he went like from all the way from the northern border all the way to the southern border, like he couldn't go any further. And you know how far that was that he ran on foot? We're talking a little over 100 miles before he passed out under the juniper tree and said, God, kill me, I'm done. Well, I don't blame him, because if I ran 100 miles, I would, actually, I'd probably fall over at about, I'm not going to throw a number out there, you just imagine, all right, maybe some of y'all think I could do about 26, but probably three, two, one, I don't know, all right, but if you ran 100 miles, I'm pretty sure there's nobody in this room that can run 100 miles, I wouldn't think, and if you did, I bet you fall down under a tree and wish you were dead too, I would think, that's more than three marathons, That's how far he ran. I don't know if the Bible tells us that he told his little servant, you stay here, and then he went the rest of the the little bit without him. Maybe the old servant might have just died from, yeah, I can't run anymore. Maybe his cardio wasn't good enough to keep up. But he ran and he ran and he ran and he ran as far as he could possibly go. He went as far as he could. And he broke down. We run ourselves into the ground, and we just keep going and going and going, and we know there's a problem. We know we're offended. We know something happened that we need to take care of. We know that we're too tired to keep doing this. We know that we're slipping mentally. We know that emotionally we're not okay. We know that we need to forgive that person. We know, But we just keep going and going and going and going and going instead of stopping and dealing with it. We just keep going and going and going until we finally have a breakdown. Till we finally have a big explosion. We find ourselves laying under a tree, thinking, "I can't take anything else. I can't take one more thing. God, could just kill me. It's too hard. Life's too hard. Work's too hard. Being a parent's too hard. But pastoring a church is too hard." Working my job's too hard. Like, we all have different things that we can throw in there, but don't run yourself into the ground. Don't keep going and going and going and going and going. Deal with it. Second thing he did, told his servant to stay here, left everybody else, like, left the other fellow believers, left his... Servant, And he went on on his own and found himself alone, thinking suicidal thoughts, overwhelmed. And and if you go, I encourage you to go read the, the story on your own. He was crying out to God like, I'm the only one left. There's nobody else alive on the planet that serves you anymore. There's nobody. I'm all alone. Well, he wasn't. God still had all kind of people around. There were other relationships around. He wasn't alone. But when you get yourself to this place, you feel alone. You feel like you got no connections that nobody really cares about you. Nobody cares that all this is piled on me and I got to try to do figure out a way to do it and I can't do it. I'm not strong enough to do it and that nobody cares. They do. And God does, but you just let yourself go so far and you try to do it on your own and the problem is we weren't created to live life on our own we need connection we need relationship that's what church is all about is coming together and connecting and and God can speak to us and just like when the angel touched him and filled him up you come into church and God can touch you and fill you up and give you that bread and water that's going to give you the strength you come into church and you make relationships and connections to not only to God but to other humans It's a place that you can come and give and serve and and play a little softball. Third thing. If you go read the story, you'll see pretty quick that he started dwelling on all the negative things even when God asked him, like, what are you doing here? Why'd you come here? And he started saying, well, they, they, Jezebel's trying to kill me, and, and there's nobody else that believes in you, and your people turn, they turn their back on you. They don't even serve you anymore, and everything, the whole world's going crazy, and the, new, the the new king, he don't even believe in you. He's crazy, and Gas prices are going up and I can't even afford to put gas in the chariot. So I had to run a hundred miles to get over here. He just starts with all the negatives. And he's dwelling on the negatives and he's going over and over everything that's wrong. That'll get you in a bad headspace real quick. It's what you choose to focus on. That's what we talked about last week. You're, You're forming pathways in your brain. What it is that you'll think about. All right. Got to hurry up. Look at Philippians 4.4. 4. Paul was writing this letter to the church at Philippi from prison, by the way. He's in chains in some pretty bad conditions. And look what Paul says. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in Him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet. That you're on their side. Wait, and I wanna point that out. Make it as clear as you can to all that you meet that you're on their side. It doesn't say make it as clear as you can to all that you meet that you're on God's side, because I think some Christians got that confused and they thought it meant like everybody you meet, let them know you're on God's side. He said, no, let them know you're on their side. You care about them because they're human, and you love them because they're your brothers and your sisters. So everybody you meet, let them know that you're on their side. Hey, I want to fight for you. I want you to be good and healthy and strong and I'm going to come along beside you and we're going to help each other. So, side note back to the, back to the scripture. Working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns and before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Of everything coming together for good. It will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I would say you'll do best Anybody want to do best? I do. I always want to do the best. He says, you'll do best by filling your minds. Remember, we're talking about filling yourself up. I want you to know today that you choose what you fill your mind with. Whether intentional or not, you fill your mind with something, and you choose what you fill your mind with. By filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, Not the lies. Noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice. That word practice. You know what practice means? Like if you're practicing for something. What does that mean? You're doing something over and over and over. You keep doing it. For what reason? To get better? To get stronger? To win? To be the best that you can be? You you practice. You do it over and over and over. He said, put into practice what you learned from me. What you heard and saw and realized. How'd you realize it? Because you put it into practice and you saw that it worked. You tasted the fruit, right? You changed the way you think from all this negative over and over and over and over and over. And you tried it and you started focusing on the beautiful and the good and what is true. And then you saw some fruit. You realized, hey, that worked. So you form this pattern and you keep doing it over and over. You practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that. And God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. This is how you retrain your brain. You can read this scripture every day. You form a habit. and You do this over and over and over and you think about what's good. You think about what's true. You think about what's beautiful. You think about what is authentic and compelling and gracious. And you know... They say it takes 21 days to form a habit. So I challenge you to read this scripture. I don't, maybe every morning you get up, read it, try it for 21 days, and then just think about it. Think about the things. Be intentional with what you're filling your mind with and see if you don't see a transformation. Be intentional about what it is that you pour into yourself, what it is that you watch, what it is that you listen to, the eyes are a window, the ears are a window into your soul, and and this stuff's just coming in, pay attention to what you're putting in, and see if you don't notice a change, see if you don't notice a difference, what will that do, it'll fix your focus. Like, we all need to focus. If you're shooting at a target and you can't focus, you can't see the target, you're probably not going to hit it. Somebody just thought, well, I've never really thought about my thoughts. Well, I'm telling you today, you need to. We talked about it last week, about capturing, taking captive every thought. Right, so when a, when a bad thought or a lie pops into your mind or a negative thought, a hurtful thought towards someone, you take that thought captive like a prisoner of war. You grab that thought, put it in a headlock, give it a noogie, and reject it. Right? Get out of here, that's a lie. But remember, remember what we talked about last week, once you reject it, you got to replace it with a good one. When you just reject it, it will just come right back. But if you fill that space and replace it with the truth, you reject a lie, you replace it with something good. Get rid of it. So we fix it. You fix your thoughts. Look at um, Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. I want perfect peace. I don't know about you. I want peace in my life. I want peace in my family, in my home, in my church. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed or set on thee, because he trusteth in thee. First Peter 1.13 tells us to prepare our minds for action, and to be sober minded. Is to prepare. Train. Like we just talked about in Philippians. You practice. Oh man, I think some bad things sometimes. It's okay. Reject it. Replace it. Just keep practicing. Just get, oh man, I got so negative the other day. I cussed old boy out. Okay, well, go make that right. And talk to him and then... We practice, we focus, we get better, we grow, we learn. So remove and replace. I want God to renew my thoughts. I want God to transform my life, but he's got to renew my thoughts first. You know, we think between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. So even just thinking, just You know, looking up those numbers, it's kind of funny to think about that. Some people think around 12,000 and some people think around 60,000. I think the ones closer to the 12,000 are probably a lot of the guys. I'm just guessing on that one. But anyways, as humans, we think between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. Psychologists tell us that 80% of those thoughts are negative. And 95% of those thoughts are things that you thought about yesterday. Think about that. 80% of those are negative. And 95% of your thoughts is something that you thought about yesterday. Which means tomorrow, 95% of your thoughts are going to be things you thought about today and So on and so forth. It's patterns. So by changing the way that you think, by changing, intentionally changing the things that you think about today becomes habit tomorrow. It becomes automatic. It becomes pattern. And if you do that for a year straight, then 95% of the things that you think about Are good and beautiful and reputable, and and you train yourself that when you walk into a room, you pick out everything that's good rather than everything that's bad. You become the kind of person that everybody wants to be around, and you attract people that are like you. I gotta get back to my notes. We fix our thoughts, we focus on Him. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee. You know, it's always easier to be negative than positive. It really is. It's, it's easier to pick out what's wrong with a person or a situation or a church or a job. That's easy. Anybody can pick out what's wrong. It's harder to, to be positive and to pick out what's right. It's easy to set your mind on flesh. But we think the same thoughts over and over and over and over and it forms neuropathways in our mind. Once you think a thought, it's easier to think that thought again. And that's any kind of addiction that you find yourself in. It just becomes easier and easier and it's a pattern. So fix your thoughts. You know, the, the scripture that we said, you know, fix your thoughts. It's like focus on. But, I mean, you could also look at that like fix your thoughts because they're broken. Like you need to fix your thoughts. All right, so how do we fill ourselves? And we're done. I'm going to give you three ways to fill yourself up with the good stuff. And we're going to close in prayer. Ready? Number one, question your thoughts. It's okay to question your thoughts. In fact, it's good and healthy. It's okay. And uh, this may be controversial, but I want to tell you something. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. All right? I'm saying that to me too. And a lot of times we, we believe the lie that just because I think it, I think it's true. Well, of course you think it's true because you think it. If you didn't think it was true, you wouldn't think it. So everything you think, you think is true. But just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. If you think something that goes against something that God said, then I'm going to say what you think isn't true and what God said is true. That's, my, that's what I think. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. So, question your thoughts. Emotionally, be mature enough to take a step back and think, hold on, why do I think that? Wait, why do I think she's wrong for that? Wait, wait, why am I getting so mad and offended? Wait, like that's a good and healthy thing. That's what adults do. We're supposed to. We don't just act on feeling and emotion. Oh, you made me mad. Bro, you're 40 years old, you can't punch somebody for stealing a toy. Or you get put in jail. I mean, as adults, it's okay. Question your thoughts, question your feelings. Like that's that's actually healthy, a good thing. It'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. And it'll make you look a whole lot more like Jesus. Ask yourself, why am I feeling so negative? Why am I being so negative about this situation? Why am I so? Why do I feel so negative about my job? Why do I feel so negative about my spouse? Why do I keep thinking these thoughts of? And you can fill in the blank, but question your thoughts. A lot of times, it could just be something practical. You know, I've asked myself a lot of times. Wait a second, am I tired? You know, if you just get, I'm just talking physically right now, if you just get tired, most of y'all get cranky. You don't make good decisions. You're not that fun to be around. Unless you get real, real tired and then fun to be around you because you laugh at all my jokes. But ask yourself that question wait a minute, you know what? I'm feeling super negative. Am I tired? I might need to take a nap. Ask yourself, am I hungry? You ever heard of being hangry? Maybe you're just mad because you're hungry. I love that the angel woke up Elijah and didn't say the spiritual thing like, bow down on your face and pray to God. He said, wake up and eat some cheese pizza, dude. You're out of your mind. I tell you what, eat some cheese pizza, get something to drink, and take another nap, man. We'll talk later. That's what the angel said. Sometimes you just need to take care of yourself. Go sit down somewhere and eat some lunch and take a nap and breathe and come back to it later. It's okay. We're supposed to rest. We're supposed to be okay. And When you're not okay, question those thoughts. Why am I not okay? Why can I not take one more thing? Why why do I feel like I can't go any further? Why do I feel like I, I can't carry one more thing? Question it, because it's an easy way to fix it. I'd rather eat a cheese pizza and take a nap than to wait until five years from now when there's a major explosion and I have to have two psychologists, three pastors, and my wife to pull me out of this deep, dark pit that I've gotten myself in because I wouldn't question my thoughts and my feelings. Don't do that. Number two, get rid of negative influences. I won't spend too long on that because I already kind of hit on it a few minutes ago, just about being careful of what you let in. Like, just be mindful of it. Like, just take 21 days, how long it takes to form a habit, and just think about the things that you're letting in. Get rid of negative influences. No, not your spouse. Your spouse is negative. Don't take that out of context and say, well, Pastor Dusty said get rid of you. No, let's try to work through that. Let's let's work on that one. But what you put in matters. There are some things that you can't handle. And part of adulting is knowing what is good for you and what is not good for you. There are things that you just can't handle. You need to stay away from. They're going to get you in a negative headspace, and you know that. There are some things that you can't say no to, so you need to just cut them out. Get rid of them. Don't go near them. Don't go near the places where you know they are. Just get rid of the negative influence. Just keep it out of your life. It's a real easy way. Get rid of it. Cut it out. For some of you, that's alcohol, and for some of you, that's social media, and for some of you, it's a certain place you go to, and for some of you, it's certain types of music that you choose to listen to that takes you to a place in life where, and and it just gets you going down this path mentally, and it takes you somewhere you don't need to go. For some of you, it's, it's a certain relationship, and you've tried to help that person, and they just keep on taking you back to a place you don't need to be. For some of you, it's, it's being a fan of certain sports teams. And it keeps taking you back to that depression. Anyways, <clears throat> Proverbs twenty two twenty four. 24. We better throw a scripture in now. Look at this scripture. Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hot heads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. Hang around with people doing something you don't want to do, it's eventually it's gonna rub off on you. You cut out the negative influences, the things, the people that are making you do things that you don't want to do and be things you don't want to be, and keeping you from being the parent or the leader or the whatever it is. It's true. You'll get infected just like you do with a sickness or a virus. It's not just anger. If you hang out with somebody that's scared of everything, you get scared of everything. You catch it like a flu. You ever been around somebody that that used certain catchphrases? And then you find yourself saying those? because you hang out with somebody all the time or they say things a certain way and then you find yourself saying those things a certain way the boys were roasting Jesse at the house the other night uh, for changing up how she speaks from if she's around certain people for a long time and then she'll say things that they say or like have you ever been around somebody that cusses they say a certain word, and then all of a sudden you say it, and you're like, "Man, I never say that. Why would I say that?" You're hanging around it, and you're you're letting it come in. You're letting it come in so much without questioning it, and then it just comes out. Monkey see, monkey do. I'm not calling any of you a monkey. It's just a, just a saying. alright so get rid of the negative influences last one and we're done be grateful seems real simple but it'll change your entire life it'll change your marriage it'll change your church it'll change your, the way you work on your job it'll change the way you interact with friends and family and the way you interact with your kids if you will just develop an attitude of gratitude if you'll just just be grateful intentionally be grateful It'll change everything. Did you know it's impossible to be grateful and negative at the same time? They say you can't be truly grateful and have gratitude and be negative at the same time. If I'm truly grateful, I'm not sitting here telling you how grateful I am for you and also being negative about you too. The two don't even go together. You can't be grateful and negative at the same time. That's why gratitude. And we, we looked at this in a message a few months ago. That gratitude is the pathway to joy. And we know Scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, if you're feeling weak, you don't have much joy in your life, maybe you're just not that grateful. Maybe you've not had gratitude. Maybe you've not been picking out things. Maybe if you're there's not much joy in your marriage or. You don't feel like it's where you want it to be, and it's just real weak right now spiritually. There's not much strength there, and, and maybe you've not been grateful. Maybe you've not been picking out the things that you're grateful for and speaking them and letting it come out your mouth, and when you fill up your mind, like we saw last week, you fill up your heart, you fill up your mind, then it starts coming out your mouth. Now, Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So if I'm changing my thoughts and all day long, I'm sitting here thinking all day long while Jessie's at work, all I'm doing is just running through my mind how grateful I am for her. I'm so grateful that she does this. I'm so grateful that she's a good mom. I'm so grateful that. And, and I run through that all day long. Now, do you think when she gets home, what comes out my mouth is going to be you know, something negative to her or starting arguments with her? Or, no, probably not. how grateful you are for it'll change everything remind yourself of things that you're grateful for think about it you choose that like during the day when you're working when you're doing remind yourself man i'm grateful you can always find something to be thankful for or grateful for i believe there's no every situation you could find something like, you're alive and you're breathing, you can find something. Oh, man, my boss is a jerk, and this isn't a, it's not even fair what all he asked me to do. Or you can choose, instead of thinking that, to think, man, I'm glad I have a job. And I'm glad I have a way to feed my kid today. I, you can find something. Oh, my husband makes some of the stinkingest smells I've ever smelled in my life. Or you can think, my husband also, you know, he take, my husband takes out the trash, so he actually takes stinky smells out of my life. Man, I'm grateful for him. I don't know. <laughs> Back to the notes. Think about things that you're grateful for. Look for things. Like become the kind of person that looks for something you could be grateful for. You walk into a room and you're just looking around for something you could be grateful for. Hey, thank you for doing that. Man, I'm glad you were here. It's so good to see you. I'm, I'm just so grateful that I got to see you today. Look for reasons to be grateful. See, gratitude will retrain your brain. That's what Paul told us in Philippians. Think about things that are good and noble and just. That scripture I read, that's what it's doing. you're you're looking for things to be grateful for you're training your brain to find the good not the ugly and that will refill your tank 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this in everything not the good no, not only the good things. In everything, give thanks. What does that mean? Find something to be grateful for, no matter what. Make it a personal challenge. No matter what happens, I'm going to find something to be grateful for. Every person I'm in relationship with, I'm instead of finding what's wrong with them, I'm going to find something about them to be grateful for. No, I'm going to find something about my church to be grateful for. I'm going to find something about and make it a challenge. Paul says here, in everything, give thanks. And let me say, he didn't say we have to give thanks for everything. I know some bad things happen. I know there's, a, a, there's abuse or there's there are things that happen that I'm not going to be like thankful for, right? I mean, we're not being dumb and sticking our heads in the sand. But he said in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you quench not the spirit quench not the spirit you know how you quench a fire you put it out you cut off the air to it or dump water on it thats to quench to put it out so you know what he's saying right there That when you complain or when you're not grateful for things, when you don't find something to be grateful for or to give thanks for, and remember that's what praise is. We come in here and we do praise and worship and it's to give thanks. But what Paul's saying here is when you complain, you quench or you put out the Spirit. A spirit of gratitude is a spirit of generosity. When you're grateful, you give the number one response of love is to give. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When you love, you give. Just like giving. Thanks can take you right into the will of God. It says this is my will concerning you. That you'd give thanks and everything. Complaining can get you straight out of the will of God. And put you in a bad place mentally. And then physically. People complain their way out of relationships and churches and jobs and positions, invitations. want you to remember that there's power in your words. And you're training yourself what to look for. Jesus said, seek and you will find. That's good or bad. If you're seeking something bad, you're going to find it. If you leave here looking for something bad, you'll find it. And if you leave here looking for something good, you're going to find it too. Tomorrow morning, I guarantee you, the hummingbird is going to wake up and find something sweet. And the buzzard's is going to wake up and find something rotten with maggots in it. And they both live in the same world. If you seek, you're going to find it. What you're looking for, you'll find. So look for the good. Look for the sweet. Retrain your brain. There's always something to be thankful for. And if you're tired and weary and burned out and wore out, Jesus said, just come to me and I'll give you rest. I'll show you how to take a real rest. So figure out what you need and connect to God. Connect to some people. Be, be intentional about filling yourself up. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for speaking to our hearts and our mind. Thank you for being a real God that loves us and and cares about us. We love you. God, help us to retrain our brains and to question the way we think. Because we want to grow. We want peace. We want to live a happy life. We want to be the people that you've called us to be. So God, help us to change the way we think. We love you. Thanks for grace and mercy. Thanks for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen.